0: <laughs> uh, and hey, it's Geeks with Kids, the Internet's number one conversational podcast about fatherhood, geekdom, and where the twain shall meet. I am Spears, and to my left is Aaron, and to my left is James. Welcome back, James. Thank Woo-hoo. you very much, James. Once again, accepting Lando duties. Um, Eric will return eventually. He returns. Mm-hmm maybe i feel there's like a unless james finds him
1: (laughs) and james will shoot first because he's actually got a bow and arrow i've got a couple yeah i like that
2: (laughs) i like i'm one of the few people that go
1: i like hawkeye
2: hawkeye is a very cool character yeah (laughs)
0: he's (laughs) underappreciated the one dude who thinks like shooting aliens with a bow and arrow totally credible i can do that
1: (laughs) he's the only guy that makes sense i'll never forget um this going back to james um when you were at Sheridan and you had to shoot a student film oh. and we what were, is Sheridan Sheridan College in Oakville to Ontario. be Sheridan University oh yeah next year um mm. so they're world renowned for turning out uh, lots of industry professionals and in filmmakers of, like, and filmmakers primarily animation and animation too yeah which is amazing uh James went there years ago and i remember helping him out with a student production that he was filming and one of the scenes called for a blown-out television, like it had like a bullet hole or oh, something right. in it. And his grandma, God, God bless your grandma, oh, man. It. Like we're at, a, we're at his grandma's farm. She comes up to us and says, "I got an old TV right here. Why don't we just take it out back and shoot it with the shotgun?" <laughs> and, and I was fully willing and to do we that. And we were totally good for that. And then we were like, well, maybe that's a little dangerous and might actually like blow the television up <laughs> kind of thing. But, but it would have been great. And, and it would have been awesome. You wussed out? Someone puts that on the
2: table and you're like, "Nah. It was I had other people on the set that were less ho. Oh, yeah, they you were. Know, oh, that's a pun. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they I had some people on the set that were a bit more timid. And uh, they were city slickers. So I was so used to that. It was, I grew up with, with weapons and, and being on the farm. <laughs> and my idea of a, of a Saturday or a Sunday was you packed a, pack, a backpack and grabbed the pellet rifle or grabbed the bow and grabbed the dog, and we went walking the 100 acre wood. Nice. You know, that we had in the back. back.
1: <laughs> I'm not all for the shooting of the animals and oh, Unless you're going to eat Robin
0: it. Where's the and Boom! <laughs> yes. Where's that kangaroo at? Well, it was great
1: because you'd set up the targets
2: and you'd have the dog out there and you'd spend all afternoon shooting pellet rifle and and uh, you know shooting at targets or shooting at yeah. cans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Nowadays it's not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love your Facebook profile. You've got a picture of you and your daughter both. Middle of winter, bundled up, firing it off some a bows It was the coldest day.
2: Yeah, my wife uh, got us a Christmas present and let us go out to a place called uh, Barefoot uh, Bushcraft out uh, towards Niagara-on-the-Lake. And uh, unfortunately, we picked the coldest day of the year, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, to get some archery lessons and, and to try it out. And, and uh, this is the first time that my daughter had been able to fire a bow. And How'd she do? So, She hit the target eventually, and so did I, and it was great. (laughs) She gave up after a few pictures and, and said, I'm going in to sit with the dog and drink hot chocolate. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I sat outside with the instructor who kept trying to say, gee, well, it's been 45 minutes. I'm like, you paid for an hour.
0: <laughs>
1: Give me my bow.
0: Give me my arrow. or not. <laughs> Until I'm Hawkeye, you ain't done. <laughs> exactly.
1: Until I pick off Loki with this exploding arrow. Then we're done. Yep.
2: No, it was uh, recreating Robin Hood. And so, yeah, me and Speedy were out there uh, shooting arrows. Nice. Yeah, she was even dressed appropriately. She had a little red and...
0: Yeah. So. Does it end with her like using a dead cat to hit people, or? No, no. She she was just like, I'm done. I'm cold. We're going home. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then she passed out in the car, sleeping the entire way home. Yeah. There
0: was an infamous story, uh, like maybe four or five years ago or whatever, where uh, Green Arrow's psychic Speedy falls on hard times, and there's a scene where he canonically. Bludgeon someone to death with a cat. Oh, geez. What? Yeah. I can't
2: recall that one. I
0: think um, it was in a, maybe like a miniseries called like the Fall of Arsenal or something. Homicide. I, I do remember like... that.
2: Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I don't remote call the cat, but
0: I'm sure uh, it, it is in there. It could be from another issue. I, it's not something I read, but it's something that um, another a podcast that I listen to called House to Astonish. Um, they've been mocking it mercilessly mm-hmm. um, ever since. Well, because Roy Harper, the Speedy character,
2: Arsenal, Red Arrow. Yeah, he falls back on the smack—the infamous storyline from way back when the uh, the the. This was before Neil... Marvel went
1: all soft in Disney. No, this, one, this is DC. Were... This is DC. Oh, but this is DC. was DC. Neil Adams. Oh, sorry.
2: Yeah. Neil here. Adams and uh, who's who I've met a couple times now and is just yeah. an incredible artist. I've met him at various conventions.
0: Neil Adams had a very like famous Batman run. Like well, he, he was, was responsible Neil for Neil Adams reviving is the Joker in the like late seventies, early eighties. He drew the definitive Batman. He drew the definitive
2: yeah you a know, character, you name it, but he was very famous. Him hmm. and, and uh it was Neil
0: Adams and and I'm going to kick myself for not remembering hmm. it. But, uh, like he, any the... comic of Batman that you read in the late 80s and early 90s like leading into the Tim Burton movie that was Neil Adams vision of Batman hmm. the kind of like the gray suit with the uh, blue gloves and cloak, uh, the yellow backing, the yellow oval behind yeah. the bat symbol.
1: So like kind of like the like the Batman that we were familiar with like, like yeah, you're saying the
0: colors of pre Tim Burton yeah the Adam West colors. But, but with a with a darker sensibility, yeah. this is the dude that draws death in the family. Oh, right.
1: sweet! Yeah, like, yeah. He's yeah. the
0: one who shepherded Batman from the Adam, like after from the Batman Adam West 66. days had kind of ended. Yeah. Um, he was the one who took a look at it, who went back to the pulp origins, and was like, "Look, there's something." It was Neil Adams and I think it was Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill, writing. thank you. That's like, who I was... And these two guys were like, look, there is something in this character that taps something deeper than Bam Pow Comics, and this is what it can look well, like. Remember, they came from doing the Green Lantern, Green Arrow,
2: Hard Traveling Heroes storyline, where they mm. were basically allowed to take on very, very relevant social subject matter. They dealt with apartheid, they, but they dealt with it in America. And it was the space cop who was always right. There was the right wing, the government has to be there for the people. And then they had the Black Canary and they had the alien and they were trying to just kind of justify it. And it was the whole point of the storyline was they traveled across America in a red pickup truck and every time they went to a different (laughs) place, they dealt with a new social issue. When he gets back though, Green Arrow, the infamous cover that, that you see, it's got the Roy Harper speedy character. Who has been neglected for the last little while, while these guys have been off doing their adventures? Right, he's now got a heroin addiction, and it's wow. You, he's been. And this was up. in
0: the same era that, like, Marvel was doing the like Harry Osborn hooked on crack in exactly. Spider-Man, and uh, well, it, no but, on LSD. Sorry, that was Harry's. Drug. Was this, yeah, would have been LSD. Circa seventies. Circa yeah. 30s? This yeah, was this seventy. Was, was, was it 75, 76?
2: It would have been around that era. Yeah. But it was the character who has just come back, the the Oliver Queen character, has come back after all this preaching with different people Mm -hmm. to see his ward is now hooked on drugs, and his reaction Mm -hmm. is very famous. He kicks him out. So now you've got this character, instead of helping him, he's now Mm -hmm. been abandoned, and he gets
1: worse and gets worse. Do you think think this is in reaction to a lot of veterans coming back from Vietnam and... You know, having to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder, and mm. you know, a lot of them falling into drug addiction, and the government was just like, "Yeah, thanks for fighting." Mm-hmm. And for this was in
0: a Green Lantern color. This was a
1: classic Green Lantern,
2: Denny O'Neill and and Neil Adams.
0: Gee I, I grew up thinking that DC was like happy, scrappy hero pub. and... Yeah.
2: No, this Super is friends
1: and Legion of Doom.
2: Yeah, this is yeah. This is at the time these guys were allowed to basically go off and left field. Neil Adams was the guy that helped draw the Joker fish. But when you get the Joker fish, you get a bunch of dead people that are drinking the water. <laughs> They're also, you know, And these these guys were allowed to kind of go that dark route. Raz al Ghul, the whole idea of the Assassin, League of Assassins was Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. These guys were groundbreaking at the time, and they opened the doors for other people to tell those stories when the comic book authority is going, no, you can't they're going.
0: I'm going to and I'm going to do it for a reason. So, mm. yeah, keep on rocking yeah, in the free that's world. That's interesting. Man. That's awesome. Like, yeah. I wonder how they got around that like cuz I remember Stanley's Lee's, um, the the drama around the Green Goblin story where Harry Osborn is hooked on drugs was that Stanley was commissioned or like asked by the Ameri- by some branch of the government Oh, yes. Of the american government to do some story where spider-man shows that drugs are bad mm-hmm. so stanley wrote a story where like oh his roommate's hooked on drugs and spider-man has to be all like uh don't harry like drugs are bad and that's what he wrote you know it was quite a bit better than that but <laughs> you know in broad strokes that was what it was then the comics code authority turns around on him it's like no you can't publish this drugs in a comic book and stan's like but 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 these guys they told me to and the guys in the Fine, I'm publishing them. it anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, and those issues were published without the Comics Code Authority label on them,
2: which was really—I mean, if you take a look at what they were doing and what they were trying to achieve, it was almost archaic. Uh, it, it's very much like the government saying, "You can't do this. You can't show that. You can't advance your art." And it was stale, and it was dying. It mm-hmm. was—it was—it was a stranglehold. So, as they, much as they tried to grow. They were being restricted, and eventually, you know, it would kill them off. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these guys became, you know, Todd McFarlane with the famous Spider-Man, where he had a character stab the Juggernaut in the head,
0: in the People. eye, yeah. Oh yeah, with the sword. Um, the this, it was the straw that broke the camel's back. It Todd also- McFarlane was a superstar artist in the '90s. He's the one who took Spider-Man from the classic, like John Romita, uh, small eyes, uh, red and blue, mm-hmm. bright colors, kind of palette. Into a more exaggerated, um, huge eyes, tons of webbing, um, more like
2: more or um, um, spider-like in in his motions. Yeah, reckon, like yeah. it was a, it was a
0: deformed yeah. like anything that Humberto Ramos does on the title in modern days leans on what Todd did in the nineties. Like he introduced the idea of Spider-Man as a whacked-out rubber-armed.
2: Like, he looked
0: really... It looked like he was falling
2: off a building at all times.
0: Which, basically, he was. It was fantastic. Like, it was such a... (laughs) Such a breath of life. Like, it was so... So energetic compared to the other artists. And I feel really bad because the guy who was doing... I think it was Spectacular Spider-Man at the same time uh, was, um... Sal Buscema. Yeah. And Sal Buscema has been working in comics forever. Like, this dude was not, like, he wasn't, I don't think he was in Marvel's first bullpen, but, like, through the 70s, he was a mainstay, and he was, like, a master of the art that Remita Sr. had created, like, of that, that he can, style. He carried
2: the same look, and he carried the same structure and the stature of yeah. Spider-Man.
0: And to do that with McFarlane on the adjectiveless Spider-Man, and Eric Larson doing Amazing Spider-Man and a basically knock-off McFarlane style... Like, he was just the odd man out. And that book died mm-hmm. in sales because of it. Hmm. Um, what are we talking about?
1: I don't know. We just kind of run <laughs> off on Spider-Man. Uh, that yeah, train right. just kind of derailed. Oh, derailed, oh, wait, and derailed wait, wait, wait.
0: Um, the drugs and oh, uh, yeah, yes. the Comics Code Authority. I think, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but McFarlane was enormously successful at Marvel. Like, very much reinvigorated the company ahead of its, like, it's it's sale to disney yeah. <laughs> oh no 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 no. Uh, Way before, before the before it went bankrupt before chapter one or chapter two Bef- <laughs> um certainly coming out of the 80s mcfar like mcfarlane jim lee rob leifeld like the guys who would go on to found image mm-hmm. were m- largely coming out of marvel's staple of artists like their young guns at the time with that kind of got sick of the restrictions placed on it and they were and they finally said that's it we're leaving and yep, and the straw that broke the camel's back from mcfarlane was in an issue of spider-man he had spider-man and x-force fighting the juggernaut and he had a character called shatterstar throw mm-hmm. a sword through juggernaut's eye oh. oh and um his editor at the time i can't remember if it was danny fingeroth or um fabian nysasia but, um, I'm probably not pronouncing either of those names right. And if any of you gentlemen happen to be listening, please correct me. Um, or if anyone who's just smarter than me happens to be listening, please correct me. Um, but they just dropped the hammer on that and they were like, nope. So McFarlane, he did a workaround, like, he showed a panel of the sword, like, the sword reflected in Juggernaut's eye traveling towards it, then a reaction shot of Juggernaut being like, Urgh! but... Uh, After that, McFarland was just like, nope, out. So he and a bunch of guys got together. They founded Image, and he did Spawn, where basically from issue one, he was like, I can do what I want. So here's Spawn saving a naked lady in an alley, and here's a dude tapped to the wall with spikes. (gasps) hoo
2: And if one of those were restraint, probably would have helped him a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. He took the, the wish-fulfillment aspect of the hero that was played out in Punisher, the notion that, like, anyone who does bad, I can kill them, and he just amped it to, like, the nth degree. Like, I remember there's a, there's a documentary that the CBC of all people did called yeah. uh, The Devil You Know, The Story of Todd McFarlane. National yeah. Film Board. National. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're national right, fi- National Film Board. Yeah, I showed it to a, a seminar class when I was in university, um, and they, um... Kicked you out?
2: Yeah. No,
0: they they were amazed. Like they had no. This was this was X Men had broke at this time, but X Men and Spider Man had happened. Sam Raimi's Spider Man, but superheroes as a genre was still very much in the fringe. Yeah. Somehow. Um,
2: well, but, we were still dealing with Steel and all those other great. Yeah, you know, I think Blade was about the only significant superhero movie yeah. at the time.
0: And even so, that was more of a genre hit than mm-hmm. a mainstream. Like that was a hard R. That movie. Steel was not a hit. <laughs> oh, oh! Is that the one with Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, Shaquille oh, O'Neal. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Why I did never, you bring that up? Sorry,
0: I'm just, because he wants to hurt you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. Musicians can be actors. Basketball players.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Michael. If you're Jordan. a basketball player and an actor, please feel free to
1: correct Eric <laughs> Yeah, please do. Honestly. Yeah, because Space Jam is such a hit. <laughs>
2: Did they do a sequel to that movie? No, they did the Looney Tunes adventures with Brendan Fraser.
0: Oh. Which Uh didn't
2: fare much better.
0: Oh, yeah. I never saw it, but I remember thinking, like, this is not a good idea. No. (laughs) I threw a bunch of... Unless Brendan Fraser happens to be listening, in which case it was awesome. Hey, you want to
1: revitalize your career and want to come on our podcast? Brendan Fraser, please join us.
0: In fairness, you know, I... I think he is a really like I enjoy him as an actor. I loved mm-hmm. him in the Mummy movies and like I think he, he played like an undercut Indiana Jones really well. I liked yeah. the
2: character. I hated the movie.
0: Why? Oh, really? Liked the, what? the, the first Mummy I loved. The first the Mummy. Subsequent movies were diminishing returns, certainly. Yeah. But
2: the first movie, I thought the character that he was playing was so cool. The scene on the boat when he grabs his gun, uh, gun, gun and gun roll, display. and just rolls it out. He's got he differentiated himself enough from Indiana Jones. He was the guy with all the weapons. He was the adventurer. And then the movie tanked you know, in my opinion, the movie was just not great. It didn't showcase what they was. Well the, the mummy was certainly a successful film. Like
0: it was But, uh, but it was made money.
2: Well, it but he didn't play up the character. And I think mm-hmm. they really could have played the character more as another adventure instead of while well, we're gonna do the Mummy two, they could have taken that character and put him in another adventure,
0: rather than mm. having it be a Mummy movie, be like Brendan Fraser versus the Swamp Monster, exactly, or mm. King
1: Solomon's Mind, or oh, dude, that you actually know, would have been, yeah, that would have been good. You, you could can... have put
2: him in any other.
0: He was oh, they could have got Sean Connery to cameo, and
1: oh, that would have been, and then we got like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen crossover that we could <laughs> have done, yeah. maybe. It's a lot of um, potential.
0: So. Yeah. yeah, now we just get remakes yeah <laughs> speaking of i heard there is a reboot of league of extraordinary gentlemen i heard ways. that too and um, that's, it came out about the same
1: time as the uh the the news about the rock in, the rock and big trouble little china yeah i'm i was not on board with that but i think i can it's be on bad board. The, the comic is pure genius Big Trouble in Little China? I have...
0: (laughs) No, no, no. uh, Oh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. No, that's funny,
1: because they actually did a sequel comic uh, a-la, like, Fight Club to Big Trouble in Little China. And I'm trying to get my hands on it. Yeah. Because I want to find out what happens to Jack Burton after, you know, after Chinatown. But, uh, yeah, Alan Moore, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Fantastic. Yeah. And it yeah, is everything that book. you would
0: expect in an Alan Moore comic. Like, it's explicit in all the places you would expect it to be. Huh. It takes characters that are traditionally pulp or sanitized and, yeah. you know, makes them as gritty and dirt <laughs> under the fingernails as I, you could possibly imagine.
1: I remember something about the Invisible Man and the nunnery or something like that. Yeah, It certainly made an impression. <laughs> <laughs> I was never yeah. a fan of the comic, and that's, you yeah. know, surprising,
2: but then again... I tend to be a bit more, you know, mm. selective with
1: what i <laughs> with the amount that I'm spending. Okay, so let's put yeah. it out, let's put it out there to James then. Um, best movie adaptation of a comic book today. Best movie adaptation and like from when you were remember your first movie to like um, modern. The modern
2: best. Time. If I have to say the best single scene was Richard Donner and Superman the movie and and Christopher Reeve as Superman. For the first time, being Superman in Metropolis, yeah. that sequence I should go back and uh, and have showed my daughter and and sat and watched. That is the definitive Superman.
1: Mm-hmm. The
2: whole bit, right up to the bit with him with the boat being dropped in with the bank robbers on the boat, him saving Lois Lane when in the helicopter. If you were if you were to show somebody and say, this is what a superhero is. Mm-hmm. He does good. He saves,
1: saves, saves people. Saves the cat out of the tree. Saves the, the cat
2: out of the tree. But the guy, I always remember, Save it was the, the guy on the boat, goes to hit him in the head with the... And this is when you tell. He's not just anybody. He's Superman. And as a kid, I that's still that guy hitting him with the crowbar and breaking the crowbar. And Superman <laughs> killing everybody.
1: Taking the bad guys away and the one-liner bad vibrations and i laughed cuz my dad is a beach boys fan and it's <laughs> takes... like aha uh-huh, you're referencing american pop culture sort of
2: and then he wraps them all up ties them off yeah. and takes them to the to the police and says i'm helping you out Wait, how many necks did he break he broke no necks surprisingly <laughs> nobody died when superman arrived in metropolis Nobody, no buildings
1: fell over except except that little girl who was like, "Mommy, mommy, this man flew down and saved the cat out of the tree." And you hear the mom from inside the house. How many times have I told you to stop telling lies? And you hear an audible smack, <laughs> and I'm like, "Man, the '70s were a different time, much different time." <laughs> Glad I only made it through half of them. Glad you know, I
0: don't right. remember that.
2: There, yeah, there it was like go back oh, and you listen dear. There's an
1: audible. And we have to we have to sweet really? that and we have, have never... to sweet et that one in get rid of the shotguns and turn them into walkie talkies at that point. Oh, really, like yeah. And
0: there's that's interesting. Like an and audible The re-releases down... they've never edited it out. No, nope. or...
1: it's still there. Yeah, like, like wow. audible it's audible beatdown of a kid for telling a Superman story. It's kind of you know the next day mom
2: was vind- or the daughter was vindicated and she's sitting there. You know, with a black eye going, "See, Mom, I wasn't lying. There is a guy that flies., <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, then child Aid that comes into <laughs> yeah. play so, you yes, know, comes
0: in. I, I was so young when I saw the Superman movies. I don't remember the order that I saw them in, or even the experience of seeing them very well. Mm-hmm. I remember being in the home of one of my dad's friends in like in their den. Uh, watching Superman 3.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah.
0: And I remember getting so, like, freaked out by the notion that a computer, a machine, could take over a person. Yeah. At the end of the movie, there's a sort of, like, a secondary, almost like, not a femme fatale, but, like, the villain's girlfriend, basically. She's even, like,
1: really, like, a tertiary character. Like, she really had no purpose from what yeah. I can recall, other than just being, like, the... Yeah, like, the... She's
0: there. Well, evidently, this was her purpose. Because at the end of the movie, the evil computer that they build, like, turns her into this, like, sci- this weird cyborg, like, I'm gonna shoot lightning at you. Like, I would even say, like, more frightening than the Borg from Star Trek. Like, Let's see. there was something more... I don't know, because you... She... Visually, I remember her looking a lot like Gozer from the end of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like lots of like fake-looking lightning, and I'm wrapped in shiny material. That's what computers are made of, right? Now, see, <laughs> when you guys are you're
2: sitting there and you mention Superman three, the only thing that I take away from Superman three is the fact that there's a lot of half pennies floating around on the from paychecks that people can siphon,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which
2: wound up being the plot
1: of Office,
0: for office space. space. Yeah. <laughs> They directly reference it to they you do. unapologetically. When they make the plot, they're like, you remember in Superman 3 when they save an awful lot of money? And even Jennifer oh, Anderson's yeah. character
1: is like, didn't they do that in Superman 3? It's like, <laughs> how is this like Superman 3? <laughs> God, off
2: his face, was a great su- movie. Oh, And the guy that actually says the line, you know, and, and mentions the plot, is the guy that wound up playing the voice of Batman. What? What? Dirk Benedict. <laughs> uh, a no. Dirk, um...
1: Not Dirk Benedict. Dirk Benedict was Faced from the A-Team.
2: No, uh, what was the guy from uh, from uh, Drew Carey? Oh,
0: oh, oh, um Yeah, I know who you're talking about. And Napoleon about. Dynamite. Yeah. Oh, my God. Great. To d- the computers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. He played... Think I think his character was called Oswald. Yes, oh, no. oh. Curry. he's a really funny dude. Yeah.
1: Um, what would I do if I had a million dollars? Two <laughs> do jigs, at the, do jigs at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> there's no hesitation either. Batter, like the double... Battered. Um, Diedrich Named, Batter. Batter. That's oh, it.
0: Oh, God. He, he you, played IMDb. Batman?
2: He plays on Batman uh, Brave and the Bold. Get Shut up. up! He's a voice. He's a was new voice. Was Mike of Straczynski involved in that show? Jay Michael Straczynski. Oh yeah, yeah. They were, they were at the plots. Actually, quite you deep. Know what it I would was... do if
1: I had two faces coin? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <This is laughs> but two uh,
0: villains at the same time.
2: <laughs> it's one of those I am actually watching with my daughter now. Now that we can't find the animated series on Netflix, huh? We found the other series, and uh, it's—I mean, it's—it's it's as kitty as can be. But there is a dark episode uh, later on, and it's. Uh, Kevin Conroy, as mm. as
0: uh, like as Kevin the, Conroy,
1: not as Batman,
0: not as Batman. It's Kevin Conroy was the voice of Batman in the animated 1990s species. animated series. He's the definitive the, he's voice.
1: The voice of Batman. Yeah, I well, feel because like he even popped up in the video games, and that I'm like, dude, that sounds like that sounds like oh, Kevin Conroy. That's what got
0: the, me into the Arkham Asylum series in the first place. Was it was like a voice cast reunion from uh, the yeah, animated series?
2: Here's here's how great it was. They had. Bruce Wayne is being judged by the Phantom Stranger, voiced by Kevin Conroy.
0: <laughs> and that's adorable! The Spectre,
2: voiced by Mark Hamill. Shut up! And it's Batman is given the chance to go back in time and save his father, voiced by Adam West.
0: Shut up! That's oh. beautiful. And that, it's, I'm cur- oh, that's and amazing! Could
2: say, and, and the bet is that if he doesn't kill Joe Chill... The the man that is responsible for killing kill? his parent. If he doesn't kill him, if he has the opportunity to stop him and doesn't, then... Wait, stop him or kill him? Kill him. They, they, the, basically, the bet is the the specter is saying he'll kill him because he'll have the opportunity mm-hmm. and he'll take his revenge. And if he does, you lose the bet, I get him. And he's now my avatar. You know, then mm-hmm. I can I can use him and he'll hmm. be my...
0: My, that's a role that Hal Jordan filled in the comic for a similar. while. Very similar.
2: But it was, this was in a kid's show that is very much marketed for kids and has, like, yeah. Detective Chimp and all these other... You know, it's like uh, Bawana Beast and, and yeah. all these other characters. And they actually,
1: they even at one point, like, kill is, a
0: character. This is like a
1: big moral quandary for kids. Huh. Oh, yeah. that's, like, a, that's in, a... the,
0: in the Batman animated series in the 90s, they had... Um, there was an episode where Batman admired a TV superhero, The Grey, the Ghost. Grey Ghost, Ghost, and yeah. that was voiced by Adam West. Yep. And there's a moment at the end of the show where Bruce Wayne meets the actor, "quote unquote," who plays The Grey Ghost, who's voiced by Adam West. He says, "I'm a big admirer of yours." You know, yeah, and like, oh, God, I watched it recently. I think mm. when Batman the animated series was on Netflix as a matter of fact. Netflix, please bring it back. Yeah. Oh, God. I'm only and about I halfway through. Like I actually teared up. Aww. If you get a chance... John and you... Sam's looking at me like, You okay, Dad? <laughs> Edit. And Chris is looking at me like, Oh, you okay, Dad? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to have those moments with Mercury. That's gonna be... Yeah. Like, I, like, I keep like building a library of things in my mind that I want to watch with him. Um... Most likely, Star Wars will be the first one, and you know I want to go through Iron Giant and Goonies. Oh, I started doing the Truffle Shuffle for him the other day, and he laughed. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, you have no idea how funny this is going to be! <laughs> Childhood <laughs> obesity for the win!" <laughs> but um, a different time. <laughs> yeah, oh, those 80s. Glad I only lived part of my life through those eras. It's great <laughs> because you now appreciate
2: them, and you get to see them. Like I sit with my daughter, who's now 10. Yeah, and we started watching for Father's Day last year. My gift was, she said, "Can we watch Star Wars?" Oh. I hadn't really pushed it on her. We Is watch there the a cartoons. way that you
0: can like, like
2: bronze that moment? Oh, it Is was there like- It was like yeah. the skies open up. Uh, you know, and you sit there, and I said, "Yes, we can. We'll start watching Star Wars." And if you like it, we'll continue. I didn't want to push her because yeah. the last thing mm. you want to do is push it on her. I know. Yeah. She hates it and she resents you for it. So I said, There's a Penny
0: Ar- I think, did Eric talk about this? Yeah. There's a Penny I don't know Arcade- if we've
1: talked about it, but I it's been floating around for a while and it just totally sums up fatherhood oh, for me God. right now.
0: There's a Penny Arcade comic where one of the characters... He's talking about, like, oh, I tried to get my daughter into... I can't remember if it was Magic the Gathering or, like, or some, some damn thing. Oh, no,
1: wait, I think he talked about it in the Mega on the Couch one very briefly. But, yeah, anyway, continue. Yeah.
0: yeah, 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 and it's like, oh, I tried to get her into this, and she's just resisting. It's like, what the heck, this is awesome. And the other character turns around and is like, do you remember when your dad tried to get you into fishing? <laughs> well,
2: it's great right now. My wife uh, is sitting with my daughter at night, and they're watching... Buffy the Vampire Slayer we started slowly with her um, at 10 a few years yeah well we started season one we started a few years back where we started with um once more with feeling and then we grabbed a couple extra episodes but we would we screen them and make sure that we weren't showing anything Mm. that was inappropriate I'm
0: sure the one where Buffy and Spike make the house fall down is not one that you're going to show well she's watched it already she watched it last week they're now
2: going chronologically through the entire series, and my daughter will not mm-hmm. let her watch an episode without her. If so she's going episode by episode. Yeah. And, huh. th- you know, they're they on to, like, season six. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh. Tell her to be
0: strong. Season yeah. seven is much better.
2: <laughs> she's fighting through. She went through the glory year. Oh, Lord. And now
0: it's, this, is the, this is the year well, that they fairness, did to switch you know, over. Yeah. Nothing, oh, God. But the, Sorry it, it's tangential, but, like, the only thing worse than that is the se- fourth season of Angel. Uh, okay. Yeah. But she likes it
2: because she likes the characters. And yeah. I think that was... What, this is the, the season where they're fighting the trinity. The, 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 th- the, the nerds. nerds. The, t- yeah. the three nerds. The three, yeah. We'll call them nerds because, you know, they're evil and they're not geeks. <laughs>
0: they're obviously a
2: different animal from us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we wouldn't try to rule the world. Maybe. The <laughs> that
0: is Danny Strong's best word. Yeah. <laughs> And they, but you know, but she likes. There's him. an episode where they figure out how to turn themselves invisible. Oh yeah, and like he, he I think he gets caught out. <laughs> and like, oh, f- I can't remember specifically what happens in that oh, scene, man. but I remember like there was I'll a moment where. Too.
2: <laughs> oh, God.
0: but my daughter is
2: now
1: infatuated with Spike. Oh no. But well,
2: but I guess what's... there would
0: be
1: worse antiheroes to but be there interested there is and, in.
2: and you kind of you know, there's certain things that come up later on. Where you kind of... Is that a censor? <laughs> no, no. It was more like watching watching for various scenes, watching for content.
0: Mm, right. yeah, and
2: you try to censor a little bit or explain. Like, I always had a rule with my daughter when we took her to the movies, and we were talking about superhero movies before. At what time do you start to introduce them? You know, right. Do you t- Like, when Iron Man came out, it's far too young, but she'll watch Iron Man now. But we always had the rule, and I come from the film industry, where, he, you know, and so I said... You know, we're going to watch something. Just keep in mind, everything is fake. Everything is make believe. Right. Nobody's got hurt. And she's not one that likes a violent TV show. But with Star Wars, we started watching. We finished, and I got about halfway through. We got to the Death Star, and I went, Oh, you know, it's midnight. You got, <laughs> you got school tomorrow. Your yeah. mom's going to kill me. Let's, let's uh, get you to bed. She was like, We have to finish. I'm like, I love you. I really do. You're gonna get you're gonna get me in trouble. You're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> But then she wanted to immediately You're gonna get Obi-Wan Kenobi. You don't know what that means yet. Maybe I shouldn't have started it at ten o'clock at
0: night. But but, but, but there's, at only, the same time. There, there's only forty minutes left of the movie. The Emperor will find ways to <laughs> increase your watching speed. But it
2: was it was great because we did the same thing, you know, then she was like, Can we watch the next one? I really like Empire. I got. I had felt so bad when I finished Return of the Jedi, and she looks at me and says, "Can we watch the other three now?" Mm. And I went, "I don't. I don't want to expose you to the, like this. Is just being a bad parent. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to show you Phantom Menace."
0: But <laughs> Honey, I appreciate. I want it. to show you Phantom Menace, but, it's but the police might take you away from yeah. me. Well, <laughs> she
2: sat there Whoa. as we're watching, and she goes, "This Jar Jar character is stupid." And I went.
0: Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm you are doing something right. <laughs> oh can we stop now? You're feeling everything <laughs> I felt.
1: <laughs> wow! But now it's you know, can you write all this down? Like, how are you doing this to turn her out so well? I well, I we want to replicate her. her.
2: Yeah, I lucked out. I've got the greatest kid in the world. No offense. Aww. But I, I feel that way, and you guys feel the same way. about your guys, but uh, I I felt I had a little bit of a, an uphill struggle because I've got a girl. Hmm. I yeah I'm a geek. Oh. I, I admit it. I barely know how to talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish Eric could hear this because
1: he's been talking to us kind of like the same things. It's like I'm a father raising a girl, and he's got probably a lot of the same concerns that you have too. Oh
2: sure. So. And now I'm finding I'm I'm you're you're looking at things a little bit differently and going okay we've got you know the Buffy the Vampire Slayers mm-hmm. a positive role model. Yeah. There's not a lot of positive geek culture. Girl role models hmm. for kids, even even from the comic book stage. That's why we liked, and I mentioned earlier on on the other podcast, uh, shows like Young Justice that had some very positive girl characters. Yeah, that I could now show my daughter without hmm. being ashamed of showing her scantily clad.
0: Hey, look at there's Wonder Woman wearing a bikini because that's all that hmm. she's able to wear. How do you feel about the um David Finch recently redid the costume. I think it premiered this month. Yeah, I had a chance to see it. Yeah, what do you was think? This, was this the one with the it, It's it? the traditional Wonder basically the traditional Wonder Woman uniform except there is a um there's all, it's almost like there's a a wet suit underneath it in a way. Hmm. There's like a dark blue um bodysuit that comes Looks... up to the neck um covers up chest and shoulders and arms and right. legs. Um, it looks more like, a sort, almost like a Kevlar suit of armor. Something more akin to what you'd see in Batman. Right. Rather than the t- traditional Wonder Woman uh, swimsuit. See,
2: mm. if it was on any other character, I would say no problem. You know, I, I find, like, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I like the characters, the way they were drawn.
0: But at the same time, you kind of, uh, you know, it was almost too much the other way. Yeah. Huh. I've heard like I've heard some some commentators on the internet have like, Sources. have commented that way, only more hyperbolically. Hmm.
1: That they would rather go back the opposite way. It's like pull you know, plunging oh, the neckline. They, they, the neckline. But they're,
0: they're, I read some commenter called it like the superhero niqab, and I'm like, nope. Oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. It's it's yeah,
2: it's different. It's it won't last. You know, that's one thing about superhero costumes. The next artist that comes on, and let's face it, David Fincher doesn't have a track record for staying on comics. <laughs> the only reason he's there and he's trying to get them done on time is is because his wife is writing
0: them. <laughs> well, in fairness, he might be around on that book for a long time on that basis. Yeah. So... Who's, in- um, is it... Gosh, who is his wife? What's her
2: name? Of um, uh, Mrs. Fincher. Hi-oh.
0: <laughs> is, it, is it Meredith Fincher, or is it... Why is my brain... No, Fiona Sta- is Fiona Staples with Matt Fraction. Or? I don't
1: know. I love that. I'd, I had no idea God. there was a guy named Matt Fraction for the longest time until huh. I saw you guys talking oh. on Facebook about Fraction
0: is. Him. And I'm like, a phenomenal that's
1: man. a that's
0: a Hawkeye. name of a
1: comic book person right there. Wrote a great Hawkeye book. Yeah, Fraction's
0: yeah. Hawkeye is really good. His order is really good. There were some neat ideas in his run on X Men, but for it didn't quite fire on all cylinders. I
2: think what really worked was the simplicity when he tried to do the uh the green or no the uh the hawkeye character and how Mm. simplistic the you know just kind of a bare-bones story Mm. not tied into the rest of the continuity
1: and it was just hawkeye on his own living in an apartment yeah there
0: there was some there were some elements of continuity to it like especially where hawkeye's dating situation was concerned there was a there's a fantastic issue where um in Hawkeye, he kind of has a, a, um, a one-night stand with a female character, where in Avengers, he's meant to be dating uh, Spider-Woman. And oh, uh, they find uh, out. Yeah, Oops. and in traditional Bendis fashion, you know, Bendis kind of draws him hooking up, and he's like, okay, they're together, and that's the, the degree to which he seems to flesh out the relationship. Um, but then over in Fractions Hawkeye, when Spider-Woman finds out, yeah, there are repercussions. <laughs> okay.
2: The knock at the door and his ex-wife and his current girlfriend are sitting there going,
0: Oh my God, it's such a genius issue.
2: Wow. Well, the whole run was, was really well done. And it was There's just an issue very... he does
0: from the perspective of Hawkeye's dog. Lucky. Yeah. Oh my God. Lucky the pizza dog. It is, and it's fantastic. And it's like, any other writer artist combo would do that as a gimmick issue, just yeah. as like ah ha ha. This is how but the dog. But that actually, oh, this is another but,
1: episode of De- or another yeah. uh, installment he, of Deadpool.
0: Yeah, Fraction <laughs> moved the plot with it. Like yes, the dog is walking awesome.
2: along through the blood. Yeah, of the character that had died in the issue before. That's, it gave enough of a break between the two issues. Wow. Yeah,
0: and that's the issue where the 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 girl Hawkeye Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. No, Kate that's Hudson the is actress. Yeah, that's the actress who should play Kate uh Kate. Bishop. Bishop yeah. Kate Bishop, who is the female Hawkeye from the Marvel universe. Hmm. Kate um, Hudson being the daughter of or stepdaughter
1: of Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell is Jack
2: like, Burton. Jack Burton is oh. doing big sorry, just Finding continuity bum, bum, Oh yeah bum. Trying to bring it all back
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing this. About
2: bringing it back We now ball know ball. How that train Got derailed And where it yeah.
0: went. up Who was in Such and such movie With Kevin Bacon, uh, mm, Bacon. Wait what movie was Rock, Rock Hudson No
1: yeah. Kurt Russell And with uh, Oh and Kate Hudson Oh he's married to Yeah Sorry she was on Almost Famous The other night too yeah. So it was watching Anyway
0: it. that's yeah. the issue Where the, where the Kate Bishop Hawkeye decides to leave And yes. go to the west coast So West coast Avengers no West Coast. Yeah, that that was the. That was actually. That's the pun they make in the very next issue when she ends up on the West Coast. That she was titled West Coast Avenger. <laughs> oh, no, that is not... a. That's a brilliant writer. Uh, and then, the name alone, like I'm
1: sold now. Like <laughs> after hearing that, because I haven't been into comics for a while, I'm like, if there's a cool name, I will read that Fraction. Okay,
0: I'll read his Hawkeye run. It is read, his Hawkeye run is time. great. Yeah. It is
2: not finished. Also moved, I thought it is finished.
0: I thought there was, there was another one writer issue, on it now. There's
2: one issue left of the Fraction Run that he's contracted to do, and they've already moved on to the Jeff Lemire Hawkeye.
0: I like Jeff Lemire a lot. And
2: he left Green Arrow and went over to do Hawkeye. And he's a guy that admits... I've talked to him on, Twi- on Twitter. He's exchanged mm-hmm. it. I met him at, uh, at Big B Comics yeah. on Upper James. That he hmm. was there once. Upper and, James in Hamilton, Ontario. Yes. It's a city in Canada. Well, he... Uh, <laughs> but he admits he's like i know nothing about archery they're like but you write an archer really really
0: well do you want to do this character he's like okay wow <laughs> that's cool I, you know his the book that he did for vertigo uh, sweet tooth is fan fantastic mm-hmm. one of the best comics that i think i've ever read um his well oh, his breakout was um well,
2: sweet tooth was was a big one and then he did uh deep uh, the diver one
0: um yeah the deep no that wasn't the deep um was it his be- essex county was his oh, big indie yes. book it oh. won um canada reads and subsequently i think got graphic novels banned from contention yeah my wife I'm is giving forward. the thumbs
1: up because she read that in uh one of her teaching placements and I got a copy of it for her for oh, Christmas. And, it is gorgeous. The yeah.
0: omnibus edition they sell of that is just, it's yeah. one of the most important comic books that you can purchase. Like
1: I, now on that recommendation, I feel I really have to read it. It's well, amazing. I have to find it first. because yeah. Sweet Tooth, I think, is it
0: almost ups the game on that. Yeah. Because it has the same mood as Essex County. That rural, dispersed, there's nobody but us for miles. And if we're effed up, that's okay. Yeah um kind of feeling but it combines it with a sort of a mad max kind of a post-apocalyptic story um driven by why the character is different and it it's it introduces sort of aboriginal um aboriginal myth Uh and imagery um it's it's a gloriously uh, canadian book and in a weird canadian money now I think Sweet Tooth is the quintessential Canadian comic book huh. that Essex County got the credit for being.
1: Yeah. Well, he did that,
2: and uh, then he branched out, and I actually was, when I met him, was talking, and I said, you, you've got these two kind of different lifestyles and different career paths. And he says, I do the superhero stuff, not because I want to, but because they allow me the ability to go off and tell these other great personal stories. Mm. And... uh so is he basically saying one pays the bills to do the other one? I'll or? do a stint on the Atom, so that way I can do Sweet Tooth. And, yeah. and somebody will pay to finish Sweet Tooth. Because Sweet Tooth on its own, as tragic as it is, or Essex County,
0: mm.
2: nobody's going to read them unless he gets somebody else to pay for them. It's It's the typical Canadian dilemma of I have I want to do art huh. but I don't know how to fund it so I gotta wait for somebody else to either fund it or get a government grant yeah. funny enough
1: because that kind of like tangents into something that you guys were talking about before uh, we came on Mike um, about Cinecoop and creating Canadian content for Television or for filmmaking now. Mm-hmm.
0: Get out your maple syrup, everybody. Things <laughs> yeah. are going to get extremely northern uh, Canadian. North Canadian. And,
1: and there's so much more to Canada than Orphan Black. So, although uh, Orphan
0: Black is phenomenal, Tatiana uh,
1: is amazing. I sat next to her at a premiere for a movie.
2: She is a beautiful, beautiful woman. Does your wife know this? Yeah, I told her.
0: Okay. Yeah, trust me. I, I yeah. Is she on your list? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm gonna take his silence as a yes. So if James's wife is listening, <laughs> no, it's, that's uh, okay. I know who my wife's crushes are. And she knows who mine are. Mm-hmm. So you just gotta be honest about these things. My wife has already said there's like half a dozen people from The Vampire Diaries. The problem is I got a really? chance
2: to meet mine. <laughs> I have the infamous picture with uh, with Laura vanderroot from uh, I think that's the last name. From uh, Smallville and Smallville, she played Supergirl. Werewolf
1: 1 now. Bitten. Bitten, that's it. I met her at a
2: party and made sure that I got a picture and sent it to my wife. (laughs) With my arm wrapped right around her. He also got a picture of (laughs) you
1: and Kevin Smith. My arm couldn't go around him. (laughs) He wouldn't let me touch him. But I got a signature, so... Scott Mosier was in the background, don't touch him.
2: (laughs) Was Muse photobombing? No. (laughs) Like, did you get the trifecta? I I was at at an Indigo, which is a Canadian... uh, a bookstore and Kevin Smith was was uh, signing. And uh, paid my $21 and bought a copy of his book and he wrote his signature. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Stood in line for three hours.
0: <laughs> Worth it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. When you get it's to meet one of your heroes for, um, and he's actually kind of cool. God, one of the very best presents my wife ever got me was she got me a signed Kevin Smith poster through a Oh, very cool. Oh. .com, as a matter of fact, I think. Um, And it's it's the first thing that I hung in my office when we uh, we got into our the house where we are now.
1: Very nice, nice. I gotta get me uh, some of my uh, fan stuff up. My wife mm. calls them dolls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're action figures. They That's a poseable. Clips. I understand. Yeah. They're choking hazards now, is what they are. <laughs> well, yeah. Looking at it from as a as a father, yeah. Don't touch the toys. Because it might kill you. (laughs) So what's Cinecoop
1: up to? Yes. Yeah, so new production. This is from uh, com Article by... Article by uh, Laura Beeston. New production model for Canadian filmmaking seeks different future for CanCon. We need a more marketable CanCon that people want to see, not these one-room dramas in the prairies. Jay Jolly is a man who does not mince words, founder of Cinecoop, a filmmaking marketing incubator. National advisor to the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television sits on the board uh, of the Vancouver International Film Festival and desperately wants to disrupt the system. So the long and the short is
0: so like one-room prairie dramas. He's totally referring to like Anne of Green Gables, like yeah. Road to Avonlea kind of stuff, right? Like these, Which is what we're these known
1: period for. pieces that you know that everybody seems to think that this is all what Canada is about. I would feel, but when push comes to shove, and you start pulling away the strings at it. you got a lot more to offer in terms of CanCon. But, um, he's but that sch- isn't traditionally what
0: gets made or funded yeah. up here.
1: It's, it's tough because we're in a smaller
2: market and if you go back even a few years ago, um, the Canadian market was very, very restricted. There wasn't a lot of Canadian stories being told. There was, you had the Duddy Kravitz story, which was made back uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the back in the '60s with Richard, Richard Dreyfus, man, and uh, great movie based on an incredible book by Mordecai Richler. Yeah, I, I, I had
1: the pleasure, you know. If you say you met Mordecai Richler, I'm going to.
2: No, I met Mordecai Richler's widow. I mm. shook shook the hand of uh, the director. I the director hugged me after mm. I was involved in a restoration of the project. Oh. We went back to the original film negative. Mordecai Richler was a very, very smart man. Well before his time, yeah. Not only did he write the books, and that he he thought ahead and said, "I have to be able to preserve this stuff. I have to be able to make sure that this stuff is is protected for future generations, because nobody was going to do it. Paramount was concerned about it only until their rights expired, and then they left the films to to basically deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Mordecai actually had the fourth thought to grab hold of some prints." put them under his own little protection, and put them away at an archive.
0: Huh. Like a Canadian national thing or like a private... uh... Well, he
2: put it through the Quebec, uh, the equivalent, the Cinémathèque Quebecois. Put it off in a small private thing under his name, told only a few people. So while we were looking for all these prints and talking to Paramount and talking, we found a copy that he had decided to put off to the side, and that's a copy that we wound up restoring. And, was, and it played at Cannes a few years ago. Nice. And Ted Kotcheff, uh, who was the director of the movie, who wound up, was very famous for other movies such as uh, Rambo, or, or First Blood. Huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, not the remake. <laughs> no, but he did the very first one and then walked away from the second one. Yeah. Because he felt that they were going too far. He says, I wrote a movie about, you know, anti-Vietnam. I'm getting off on Yeah, yeah And post-traumatic and, and how vets were being treated mm-hmm. He also did The uh, Weekend so of Bernie's I just So I'm
0: remembering Stallone's breakdown From the end of that movie <laughs> <laughs> But it's
2: But you know this The Canadian content Kind of getting back to That mm-hmm. was That was a peak Of Canadian content That was What people recall And uh, then you had the So wait 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 So technically First Blood Is Canadian content It was made in Canada Made in Hope mm-hmm. Vancouver Get out Huh the bridge is still there. They actually had a whole thing where they were restoring the bridge. Wow. But uh it was also the scene where McFarlane did one of his comics when Spidey Goes to Vancouver. Huh. It was in hope.
0: But that was a really significant issue. Uh, Spidey and Wolverine fight the Wendigo. That was the issue where Wolverine's um then traditional eighties costume, the tan and black uh Wolverine costume gets shredded and he goes back to the yellow and blue on um, Xavier yes. uniform mm. that he wears in the X-Men comics going forward preceptions nice. it was a pivotal story it was pivotal, a brilliant story pivotal story yeah the uh, the Wendigo i think was accused of eating um, a little boy in the woods and so spidey who happens to be in Vancouver on a, like a bugle assignment was brought for that assignment yeah And uh, Spidey and Wolverine kind of crossed paths investigating it. And it turns out it was just uh, some sicko um, hunter in the woods. The sheriff. The sheriff sheriff was, was, yeah. Yeah, and the Wendigo was completely blameless, which is formidable for, you know, like a cannibal eight-foot monster. Which is which?
2: You know, it's written by a Canadian. It was very much uh, a Canadian story. We wouldn't have been able to get away with that story down in the states. I don't believe. Huh? It was. It was, and that's where you get in a bit of that cancon. Mm-hmm. Jay Jolly, I've uh, talked to him before back when they were doing the first Cinecoop project.
1: Yeah. What was the winner of that Coop. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Well, it was a brilliant concept where it, <laughs> it allows established filmmakers to compete against you and I. We could submit a movie, and it was. You let the audience decide. It was, it was like the American Idol of Canadian movies. Yeah. And we'll put the movies out there and let, them, uh, let the people judge for themselves what they want to see. And did Wolf Cop get a release? It did get released, and it, it's, uh, it's actually they're trying to finance Wolf Cop 2 now. Wow. <laughs> but the the prize would be uh, Like what if Teen Wolf was a cop kind of thing? Well what if a cop, you know, the town cop was bitten bit like by a wolf drunk, and yeah, failing failing cop yeah. from what I can recall. Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: totally yeah. is it like is it farce or is it like
1: it's campy, it's yeah. it's horror meets comedy. Okay. I think you threw out the term trauma. Like trauma esque.
2: It would work in that respect, yeah. yeah. It was but it... It allowed the audience to kind of dictate and say, "What are we interested in? Do we want to see a yeah. Sarah Pauly documentary or a Sarah <laughs> Pauly movie, or do we want to or see like Splice?" Nothing or, against Sarah Pauly, yeah. but it's yeah, the people that finance movies through Telefilm mm-hmm. have so, a
1: certain slant. So, really, it was not just a competition for Canadian filmmakers to get you know their product made. It was more of a, I would say, like a Marketing tool to see what do the audiences. I would want. say that's fair. Yeah. So
0: like, almost like a popularity contest in a way, like the movie funding via American Idol. Mm-hmm. It's it's Canadian, Canadian F- Idol. It's which kind of like of a Kickstarter.
1: Yeah, which a lot of it was done over social networking, from what I recall. It's part like, of the campaign was you
2: started with your script, you put together your your pitch, and you had to put your pitch online, and then from those people would read the pitches, read the the concept, and then. Uh, decide, okay, well, we want to vote in the next group, and they cut it by half. Mm. Then the next competition, each week was for like Was this like six Canadians,
0: weeks, or was this anyone could vote?
2: It was Canadians. It was restricted to Canadians, and the, the prize at the end of the game was, you want a million dollars to make your movie, not a million dollars to pay for one actor. Mm. Uh, you got so much in production services from various vendors, mm-hmm. and you got a guarantee that you were going to be in so many theaters in Cineplex, and a release date with whatever
0: huh.
2: re- distributor. So you would get a VOD release as well, and you would get so much in free marketing and, and get your movie done. Sounds phenomenal. Mm-hmm. In a way, it is. I, I think it's it definitely helps highlight the fact that there's a lot of Canadian stories that are over and above what we normally see. The problem is that you have a government agency, I believe, that doesn't really reach out to what the market is, and there's no requirement within that market or very limited requirement to actually make something that is marketable remember hmm. porkies is a canadian film yeah
0: hmm.
2: <laughs> Porky, and and so is a christmas story they're canadian films they were made by canadians
0: mm-hmm. a christmas story, a christmas yeah. story. like the, the red Star- rider bb gun yep. like shot in should, scarborough yeah it?
2: and it's yeah i don't they think used, scarborough looks like that anymore you know, it
1: looks well it kind of still does actually
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it's great because there are these stories but they're very rare that they get out. Meatballs is a Canadian story. Yep. If you take
0: a look at, uh... can I tell you a funny story? Sure. Um, we'll see. I, the, the summer camp where Meatballs was filmed, I went to that summer camp. Oh, jeez. They <laughs> built bits and pieces of that camp for the movie. There was like a, um, there's like a floating island that they built, like this little like wooden floating dock that they built. That everyone at this camp called the meat, like it, it was the meatballs prop. <laughs> and no matter, like, how many years it had been since, because Meatballs had completely run its course well before I was old enough to understand what Meatballs was or who Bill Murray was and why these things are important, um, people at this camp were still talking about Meatballs was filmed here. And you were expecting, like, oh, Meatballs. How old were you when Meatballs came out? I was three. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was- you know, you take a look at those movies. Ivan
2: Reitman, uh, Don mm-hmm. Carmody, who's now a big yeah. producer and has produced things like Pompeii and and uh, the Evil Dead mo- or no, the uh, Resident Evil movies. Yep. And
0: uh, you know, a lot of those type. They of blew big... up Toronto City Hall so well.
1: Yeah. Oh. I remember going down to because the, they shot some of the firefights in uh, downtown Hamilton. I remember going to the Pizza Pizza um, location on John and King Street where they had this shootout. And we were finding, like, blank cartridges like littering the sewers. And we were like, this is awesome. Like, we had keepsakes here. See,
2: there's a difference um, between movies that are shot up here, like they're yeah. doing right now with the Suicide Squad and, and uh, having all the big actors. But none of yeah. that is staying here. And they've got X-Men in Montreal. Yeah.
1: But they're not Canadian movies. But they're, they're not
2: Canadian movies. Yeah. They're, not, they're not,
1: you know, technically, yeah, you're using some crews and you're using... Okay, here's a, here's a good Canadian movie that's coming out. Goon 2. The sequel goon to The Goon Yeah mm. um, Pointing to your like, We can't see But James is like Pointing and nodding To himself Like he's in the know On that for some yeah. Start shooting next week Yeah <laughs> Good crew <laughs> I, uh,
0: who's, I have... the, who's the draw What's the
1: Jay Baruchel's directing
2: Ooh Jay Baruchel's directing good, Most of the good original Toronto. cast No Vancouver Montreal okay. But he now lives in Toronto mm. Sacré bleu! So <laughs> the, uh, the movie uh, This is the end Where he's coming from Montreal Yeah He's decided that he's moved to Toronto. Good for him. Welcome back. So, uh, yeah, he, and he's he's teaming up with. Um, I call her lucky girl, but uh, his old partner from Popular Mechanics for Kids is going to
1: be in the movie as well. Alicia Alicia Cuthbert. Alicia Cuthbert, Cuthbert who's huh. married to. What's her What's her real name now? Because she's mar- isn't she married to like a hockey guy or? Finuff, isn't she? Might be Dion Finuff.
0: She's married to Dion Finuff. Yeah. Oh my god. If there are any Maple Leaf fans who want to yell invectives yeah. at us over the internet, we can be reached
1: at. If Maple hey. Leaf Sports Entertainment want to sponsor a podcast. <laughs> Listen, we're the furthest thing from it, but we will talk up Diantha.
2: As much as you as much as you want to mock the Maple Leafs, and trust oh. me, there's a lot to mock with the Maple Leafs, <sighs> they get some good looking wives. <laughs>
1: my cousin
0: oh lord yeah, this is a whole uh, separate podcast yeah right here.
1: that's true one of my cousins he's a semi professional hockey player and yeah his last girlfriend that he had was was cute and i don't i haven't met the or seen a picture of his most recent one but she's greek so there's <laughs>
0: does he totally she, roll up like scott pilgrim like you're going to meet my new new girlfriend soon
1: <laughs> that actually he would probably play that off very well <laughs> he's like he's like the nicest guy and he's like the nicest guy in the world though like but uh yeah no like 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 it's it's not a fallacy like hockey players they get hot wives there's a bunch they of get puck bunnies yeah.
0: yeah that's what they
1: used to refer to i think the they mass.
0: have some show about that now they do the hockey yeah. wives. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah i've not seen it <laughs>
1: no i,
0: I think seen we much, um, but... My wife and I watched an episode of it a while ago. Like we were folding laundry and we just put it up. And it's pretty... I, it always gives me a tickle to see what people I perceive as being better off than me have as problems. <laughs> when you have because money, I your problems, problems are a whole lot different. <laughs> oh, lordy-loo. I, that, that being said, as far as that genre of television goes, I, it's you know a respectable entry.
2: It's yeah I mean, when you go back to the Cancon idea, it's we've got a lot of really, really cool stories to tell, but I always say if you if you have problems getting the funding, you know yeah. you can you can either abandon it or you you know, and there's a lot of people that will so,
0: they will just kind of drop it and go, yeah, yeah there's a huge so, Canadian brain drain to yeah. Hollywood, which isn't necessarily that's not a bad thing so, by any stretch, but yeah so enlighten us a little bit because
1: you're in the you're in the know because mm-hmm. um, Cinecoop their whole thing is is that you win this contest, you get a, basically a million dollars to make your production. Um, how much is a million dollars in terms of a cinematic production?
2: It's, would you say? it's less than nothing.
1: I mean, it's really, a, it's the equivalent of a low-budget, film like how low budget like
2: like give me a you're barely able to scrap something together give me me
1: like a give me like a for like a million dollars what kind of movie (laughs) has been made for about a million dollars right now
0: well let's say let's um i mean one of the benchmarks i'm sure for the three of us is kevin smith's clerks yeah which was famously made at the time in the early 90s for like what was it like $30,000 US? On his yeah, credit card, after, yeah. yeah. After yeah.
1: hours in his convenience store that he worked with. Now remember, yeah. he also yeah. used film, too, which yeah. would change
2: the yep. way filmmaking is done these days.
0: Yeah, and this was, I mean, a, to call it a Talking Heads movie is kind of unfair, but largely it was composed of people talking inside of a convenience store. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one location. In black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean that's a film thing too. Which
2: remember, would... he too—he's not paying for the actors. He's not paying for mm. the locations. He yep, wasn't. He
0: had semi-professional and non-professional actors.
2: And he had, uh, you know, rented a camera or borrowed a camera or had a, had somebody's camera. Had one camera. Had a mm. bunch of microphones. Nowadays, I mean, especially if you want to do something of any scale, I always say if you if you expect other people to pay for it, put some money into it, mm-hmm. and you get a lot of people will kind of. Uh, lowball it a little bit so it, it makes it makes it a little bit hard to try to uh make something sustainable
1: sorry we just got distracted by mercury some yeah,
0: mercury. mercury being adorable
1: yeah cute kids
2: <laughs> um yeah you know, but a million dollars really by the time you get something cast you're going to wind up with one location few few changeovers probably minimal props as, as far as costume changes and in that so like saw saw and the saw movies are the perfect example they make those they run them off for a couple million dollars boom and they just churn them out mm-hmm. you know they but they know that they will make back for every two million dollars that you put into a movie mm-hmm. you will make back
1: 10 right and that's a good that's a good way of doing it so what would be a reasonable amount that you think cinecoop should be
0: like dumping into like, like a production. If you were running there. a company like Cinecoop and you had infinite money, I think what you'd have to take a look at, and the
2: way I would approach it is let's say giving somebody a blank check for a million dollars and saying, go off and make this movie, is take a look at the movie mm. and say, what is it that you're trying to do? Let's budget it correctly. Right. Now, if you want to do a sci fi movie, great. Mm-hmm. Now, that sci fi movie might have to be done for. Two, three, four million dollars. The problem with the Cinecoop idea and the concept is not that they're exposing these people and getting them to kind of pitch these movies, it's that there's no restrictions on what it is that they can pitch. Mm -hmm. So you come back with Wolf Cop and say, I can do Wolf Cop and I can do it for, you know, this actor, this actor, and this actor, boom, 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 a couple bit of prosthetic makeup. I can do it for a million dollars. Somebody else on the same competition comes back and they get everybody to. Do their post-apocalyptic zombie movie? Well, how are you going to be able to do that realistically to the scale that somebody's yeah. going to want to pay for it and make it not look cheap mm-hmm. and do it for a million dollars? It's not possible. Or do you? Okay, well, make well it let me turn cheap. it around. How yeah. much does an episode of The Walking Dead cost? That's a good question. That's a like, huge production value. I mean, it's would you over a million? Would you say? I think you're probably
1: close to a million dollars an episode.
2: Especially I mean, wow. when you
1: like factor in not just visual effects, but how much each of those each of the talent is asking for. Yeah. Well, in that's just it.
0: In, in every season, uh, you know, assuming that these films would be using maybe not not the same, maybe the not not to the same level of amateurism that Kevin Smith had. Like he was really lucky; he got two like semi pro act, not even like one semi pro and one non actor to headline. Yeah. Um, who just happened to be enormously talented and have great chemistry together in the form of Jeff Anderson and uh, Brian O'Halloran. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and he was really very fortunate in his... like In the non-actors and semi-pro actors that he cast in the other roles, they were just incredible. But if you could walk that same route with a million dollars, assume that you have minimal or no cost for talent and happen to luck out. I I know some great directors and some great filmmakers. I've worked with some that...
2: They know how to balance a budget and know, but they also realize that you can't just shoot it on a, hey, we're going to grab a Sony Handycam and just make a movie mm-hmm. and expect people to, nothing wrong with Sony mm-hmm. Handycams. But mm-hmm. but when you compare it to some of the other cameras that are on the market today.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah,
2: Now, there is, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to do it on an Arri Alexa, which is like top of the line production value these days. But at the same time, you also have to be able to put proper post in. You have to be able to... Right uh you have to be able to generate something that people actually want to pay to see right if your and goal that's is tough,
0: to, like when you get when you're talking about that you're you're going against avengers exactly mm-hmm. and if you don't look like avengers like you're mm-hmm. not going to get people spending their like 15 bucks if on I, a movie if i if,
2: if i go to this multiplex and i have a choice between the new avengers movie Jurassic World and i whatever canadian film has wolf been wolf cop let's yeah. say wolf cop but, there, so, but yeah, <laughs> there's this is where alternative marketing and and choices, I know some people that get out there and, and they will take their movie and they will run it across Canada and they will do it on their own and, and show it to a number of different people. But then you've got other people are just like, I'm going to take my alternative funding method is I'm going to show it for one week at a particular theater in Toronto and that meets my Canadian content rule and I'm done. Hmm. And and there's different ways of of doing the best. I recommend anybody that's actually interested in that type type of topic is go take a look at a documentary called Maple Maple Flavored Films, and it basically shows a Canadian film and it's a Canadian superhero film called hmm. Sidekick, and the director or sorry the producer Michael Sprague was taking it across the country on his own dime he basically said all the money that you would give me to show it in one theater in Toronto for a week I can take that money and I can show it in eight theaters across the country and he did it on his own drove across the yeah. country
0: from Montreal to so Vancouver. That reminds me of uh, Kevin Smith's model for Red State yeah. where he toured it from city to city and like did like a, Q- a Q&A af- like a question and answer period after. and says I can make as much money with that doing it
1: my own Without mm-hmm.
2: giving up any rights to the movie,
1: so is that how you would uh, like? Maybe like say like let's turn it around as like Canadian like Canadian filmmakers and content makers. Let's maybe do something like this model. Let's like publicly like tour it ourselves and not have to rely on the system to do so.
2: I think there's a number of different options. Is there is there any one right answer? I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it, it's tough because. They're, but they're, I think what we have to do is be open to other genres yeah, and, and getting out there and seeing what, uh, what other people are doing and, uh, and, and how they're marketing. Because mm-hmm. you go down to the States, you talk to a filmmaker in the States, there's no such thing as a government grant for a movie. Yeah, They're, they're busting their butts and they're going out there and raising the money. The downside with the Canadian standpoint of waiting for somebody's movie check to arrive mm-hmm. is you lose control of your movie. Because now you also have to abide by the constraints of whatever people are giving you in the money. They, they, the Producers will have notes, just like the studios. By they and large,
0: um, in Canada, is it a? Are you looking at sort of like a nationalized government funding body, or is there a dearth of like of private producers as well? There's a little bit of
2: both. I think one is a little bit harder to find. It's easy for people to just say, I'm going to fill out, and I'm going to go for grant A, B, C, and D. And I will wait, and I will wait for the government those to Those are largely government-driven. They're government-driven. They're Ontario-driven. They're tax credits. But I know some guys that have said, you know what, I'm going to beat the bushes a little bit. I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to find somebody that's going to invest in the movie. And there are people that are willing to do it. You know, They may have their own notes, and they may have their own feedback afterwards, but by and large you know it's a little bit easier to work with say a partner as opposed to somebody that's going to arbitrarily say you didn't hit number 16 on the government list there's not enough snow in the shot
0: (laughs) wow so your
2: your government funding will come down which
0: is when you get your like van damme movie that happens to end in a hockey rink (laughs)
1: exactly exactly Wait, wasn't was that sudden death? Sudden death. Yeah, oh yeah. my God! Sadly, sadly, we paid money to go see that. And remember that. You know what? I do not regret that at all. I don't. Oh I God. have a soft spot for Van Damme. There's so many Especially movies I Blood regret. Sport. Come on, I I think the movie we regret, if, if we had to pick one, was we went to go see was Freddy Got Fingered. I. With, who with drove Canadians. that decision? I don't remember whose decision that was. Yeah, oh, you're pointing pointing at Aaron for the the record. Tom Green is a genius, except for that movie. Um, Just to hear Riptorn, you know, say some questionable, like, phrases and curses and things like that, that I kind of want to scream at my dog right Uh, now. It's
0: nice to know that it's (laughs) not just me. Yeah but there's oh that was I'm telling, i once took like all my friends to we were at the movies and i was the swing vote and our choice was between wow. um varsity blues with james Vanderbeek, which is a football movie with teenagers i don't making want your doubles. life yeah, yes. yeah yeah i think was it john voight who was the uh... oh yeah that's a coach yeah yeah there was that versus thin red line Oh jeez. And I was like, yeah, Thin Red Line, Terrence Malick, Sean Penn. It's going to be huge. Nothing like a World War II. Oh, uh, it was um was it World No, I think it was it was World War, II. Yes, World War II. Yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Pacific Theater. Yep. Oh, it was theater all right. Yeah. <laughs> theater that plays out to this day. Very, Where everyone very I took long. to that movie has unlimited opportunity to punch me in the kidneys whenever they see me. The best line afterwards,
2: I, I got a text from my brother one night. He's he's living in Calgary, and he sends me a text. I'm at a comedy club with Tom Green. Tom Green's drinking with me right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> my wow. brother, my brother oh my has God. a knack
2: of of he'll go to see Chichin Chong or you know and wind up sitting there with Chong afterwards drinking. Tommy There's Tommy another good Canadian name. But yeah. he's sitting there with Tom Green. He says, he, do you um, want to say anything to Tom Green? And I said, tell him I want my money back for Freddie Gutfinger. <laughs> His nice. response back was, Tom Green says, I don't care. That paid for my house.
0: <laughs> Brother's got to get paid. Oh, yep. well wow. done. Well done. I'm yeah. like, right, touche.
2: Touche. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you can't
1: argue with that. Yeah.
0: Oh, man.
1: All right, so, um, yeah, like if any of our listeners have any maybe uh, Canadian content that they want to share with us? Maybe some... Have any of you been drinking with Tom Green? (laughs) Yeah. What are your brushes with uh, Canadian celebrity status kind of thing? And uh, maybe you've got a pitch for a Canadian movie that if you send it our way... We'll send it to James, because James is in the know. He's not going to tell us what company he works for, but he's in the know, and uh, if you've got an idea... If you happen
0: to be participating in a Cinecoop competition yeah. and would like your movie to be popularized... <laughs> if you've got something that you just want to share in terms of... Popularization camp, will not be honored. Yeah. If you've got a great
1: Canadian story that just wants to be told, yeah, send it our way and uh, let us know how we did. So you can send us an email at Dog Hashtag not
0: really. Not really, (laughs)
1: no. You can email
0: us at geekswithkids at gmail.com.
1: Or drop us a tweet at uh,
0: geekswithkidscn.
1: Or give us a like on Facebook. (laughs) Send us a message on Facebook. uh, facebook Facebook.com backslash geekswithkidspodcast.
0: Further, you can like us on iTunes. Please leave us a rating and a comment. It's actually super important.
1: Yeah, very important because every Canadian needs a little bit of little bit of support and on that note i guess keep your stick on the ice eh yeah yeah, eric will be back next week yeah we're hoping Hmm. to see eric back sometime soon unless he's been back already if he might have been back already if you can find him yeah we can edit this out but anyway so for geeks with kids have yourselves a uh have yourselves a dandy dandy canadian time go get some donuts eh is in Take a- off! Take off! this yeah. <laughs> it's the end of geeksforkids.com. Here eh? I'm, Bob McKenzie. It's my brother.
0: Doug.
1: <coughs> See ya.